My Michelle Live Sports Timeout. The fans, the field, the faith, the fun. Here's Michelle. Yes, I am, ladies and gentlemen. Get ready for it. Turn down your volume because it's time for Sports Go Sounders. Hendrix. That's exactly what we wanted to hear today. That is so glorious. All right, under control, boys, under control. I am so glad to have you guys with us. Uh, let me introduce you to our round table of fellas. Now, uh, we have some of the best guys here joining us. We have even our very own Wookiee of the Year, Joshua McMillan. Wookiee of the Year, Josh McMillan. <laughs> I, I can't get enough of that, Josh. <laughs> Josh is, is kind of upset, though, because he, he thinks that it is cultural appropriation because it wasn't true Wookiees that were making that sound effect. Am I right, Josh? Yeah, that, it needs to be me, a real Wookiee, or, or nothing at all. Okay, there you go. We have <laughs> Give us the real Wookiee, Josh. Come on. <laughs> wow, that was so real that the... Uh... That the sound editor even cut it. <laughs> That's right. I know. What's up with that? So uh, Joshua is our sports authority, and you'll often hear him as our mana on the street. You can find him um, at Twitter at Josh Reports Live. Tweet him. He's a tweet heart. Now we have our own sports encyclopedia with us today. Encyclopedia Rich. The encyclopedia. That's right. He is a veteran sports reporter from in the from the great Northwest right here where I broadcast live from. Um, he is uh, author of Thunder Sports Network and uh, such a cool guy. And well, we also want you to get panged. Get ready to get panged. Yes, that's right. He's the reverend of all th- reverence to all things sports. Uh, he is a pastor. He's a chaplain. He's a coach. And the all-around cool guy, Garrick Payne, joins us. Give us a wave, Garrick Payne. And then we have with us author, sports reporter, and photographer, Brent Baker. Yeah. Author, photographer, Brent R. Baker. That's right. So we've got the full cast today. Now that we've got the introductions out of the way, fellas, happy Blue Friday, which is what we call Fridays here in the great Northwest. If you're not from here, it's okay. Guys, right off the bat, I wanted to get to something pretty exciting as we're gearing up for summer. We have the U.S. Quals, and I've been following soccer. Anybody else been following some of the U.S. uh, qualifying games? Of course. The reverend of irreverence. <laughs> okay, so thoughts? <laughs> shut, I couldn't shut you guys we up. We were waiting for you, Michelle. Ago. Come on, you let in, so come, go on. 
<laughs> all right, all right. So um, I've been watching uh, the men, the boys. Uh, you know, they're all so young. And I thought I'd ask you guys how you feel about that. One of the reasons that they're young, as I understand it, is that uh, we don't want it to be a, U- a U.S national team right the our usual u.s national team but is that really fair i mean you know we've seen the dream teams of the past and such are you looking for uh the they're supposed to be non-professional but yet there are some professionals on there Uh, how does that weigh out rich well it depends on what you're talking about if we're talking about u.s men's olympic qualifying tough loss the other night against mexico one to nothing or we they they about- didn't play well, but Mexico didn't dominate on that either. I mean, they well, dominated, but they didn't uh, take they didn't take advantage of it. Yeah. Uh, good thing is U.S. Uh, second in the group. They both qualify to go on to the next go on to the next round. Let's we got to make the uh, the Olympics this time, guys. We really need that developmental period. Really need I don't that. think it's a it's a question. I don't well, think it's can a we, question. Can we just make it, but... put a little pause here? Because. I, I'm a little confused about the whole Olympic thing because back in the day when I was growing up many, many moons ago, the Olympics was supposed to be just for amateurs. I mean, we had people who had medals taken away because of their non-amateur status. Yeah. And then the, the next thing I remembered. My question. Yeah. And, and so then the next thing I remembered was that then we had like the dream team like all these pro basketball players. And so when did that switch, Mr. Sports Encyclopedia? Well, you Um, hit the nail right on the head there, uh, Garrick. It was 1992 because the uh, United States was so perturbed about uh, losing out in basketball in 1988 (laughs) with uh, Patrick Ewing and Hersey Hawkins and a whole bunch of other guys on the 1988 uh, men's basketball team that said, uh, USA basketball said, well, we're going to send some real basketball players since all these other countries send their pro athletes. And that's really, right? that's really the idea. The rest of the world considers the Olympics, their stage for their version of pro athletes. So that's why you saw ultimately the NHL comes in and plays in the winter Olympics uh, for men's and women's ice hockey comes in. You've even got uh, pro women's uh, hockey players from around the world. That's really okay. So let's bring it back to to the main point, though. Is that real? Are we seeing? It's hard to follow. It's hard to follow the rules. And when is it? When is it fair? And when is it not, Brent? Fairness and the Olympics sometimes don't belong together in the same sentence. Um, (laughs) Well, you know, in just about any sport, the qualifying can be complicated. And of course, we can always go back to to some of the infamous moments with some of the sports that are judged, um, which with how things are, are, you know, appear there. As far as what the soccer team is doing i actually i'm not actually sure i'm following what's going on with it because i don't believe the team that's out there is the one that we would see in the olympics and so i guess it could be strategic and hiding your best from what you'll show in the olympics but it could also be really risky uh if okay. whether you know if, if you end not, up not if, qualifying if you end yeah. up not qualifying yeah 
But but what is going back though? What is the rule for the Olympics? Is it amateur athletics or is it not? Because that's what it always was, right? It was always amateur. Yes. But is it no longer that? I don't know what the well, IOC rules are. Basically, and forgive me, me before someone. Wait, 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 please. Be, forgive me before you answer that. Is that indicative of all of the Olympics? Your answer, or is it just uh, different rules for different sports? What's the deal? Go ahead, Rich. Basically, that's caution here. Basically, that is the general rule for all of the Olympic sports and Paralympic sports, because when it really changed was when Olympic athletes could get a salary and also mostly when Olympic athletes could get endorsements and endorsements. still be yeah. and still be considered to be amateur athletes. In other words, athletes would have time and money to do the training necessary to qualify for the Olympics. And that's where endorsement money and all kinds of different things comes in. So then you become your own personal brand and you are still an amateur athlete, but you get paid enough so you don't have to steal pizzas from the corner pizzeria <laughs> or whatever the case may be. <laughs> okay. Well, Josh, what do you think about all that? Yeah, I, I think that you had a lot of stories from back when it was more amateur. I mean, like the uh, what's the the name of that movie, Rich, the hockey movie about the, that college American team? Ice. Yeah, Miracle on Ice, that one, yes. You know, like you, it, it, it is kind of a shame that it's not as amateur anymore, I think, in that sense, that you just had these these stories. But it, it makes sense, too, because you did see a lot of other countries send people that were obviously not. <laughs> like well, that, you know, that kind of goes back to my, my thing about fairness, because the reason that the Miracle on Ice story was such a big deal was that this basically – were a bunch of amateurs playing against truly was especially amateurs. especially against the Russians, the mm -hmm. or the USSR, the the Soviet pros, which so, beat a NHL All Star team that same year, uh, beat them up and down and sideways. So uh, yeah, that was a real miracle on ice. So yeah. the un the un the unfairness of it actually made it into a good story for us. Yeah. yeah, but you know, fairness. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. hey, while we're while we're kind of talking about soccer, and I have enjoyed a lot of that, I want to share this screen. And by the way, you can find us on My Michelle Live or on Facebook, and you can share uh, this live broadcast and. Uh, because this is more than just sports and my Michelle live is more than just uh, a podcast. We spread the God story. So help us spread the God story. Go to my or go to our Facebook page and share. I want to share this. I don't know if you guys have seen this. You have got to see this. This is a moment where uh, a goalkeeper literally scored a goal uh, two zero win over Mafra um, from porch uh, from the, Portuguese team. You've got to see this. This is amazing. Kicks it up. It bounces once, goes over the goalkeeper's head and right into right into the goal. It was freaking awesome. I mean, how often did you see that? And I just I had to share that with you guys. Can you share the video again so that we can show it on Zoom? 
Um, um, I can't show it on Zoom because of my setup. I think uh, I may have, okay. you guys know this before. Uh, that's why I encourage you to go to the Facebook page. I have this uh, the setup okay. that kind of messes with our whole live kind of a thing, and it kind of wonks things out. So it's so a basically, bit- Michelle, you're trying to tell us that you don't want to electrocute yourself by showing the video? <laughs> that the- no, I would totally do that. I think that would be really good podcasting right there and entertainment. Isn't your hair naturally curly? already <laughs> it wasn't just to start out <laughs> just say uh, here in the u.s we are and if you guys want to see these videos uh just be logged in on another screen another tab on facebook and you can see all of this um one other thing that i wanted to share with you is mls gets started and geared up major league soccer here in the united states um i'm a sounders fan and i'm pretty actually pretty excited about this new Sounders kit. It is gorgeous and it is a nod to Jimi Hendrix here in the, the Seattle uh, area. The man of purple haze is kind of, yeah, he's a Seattle icon. He's from here. There's a statue to him that hasn't been torn down um, in, uh, <laughs> in whatever, Woodland Park. Um, it's absolutely glorious. And you know, actually, as I was watching our disappointing win uh, loss to Mexico, for the uh, men's national team. This looked uh, really similar to Mexico's kit, but uh, you can take a look on Facebook as I'm playing it. It is just cool looking. Yeah, it's pretty neat. It's got these purple uh, coolness to it. And uh, I'm going to stop it because uh, YouTube will probably want to say, hey, that's copywritten stuff. But um, absolutely gorgeous. And I just wanted to get my two cents in there. I have talked quite a bit. Uh, It's mostly Garrick and I that get the most excited about soccer and MLS soccer. So I'm going to turn it over to you, Garrick, while I drink my coffee. Well, I am excited about the uh, Sounders season ramping up. Um, here's the new kit, by the way, if you haven't seen it. It's, uh, of course, got the beautiful Zoo Lily logo on it, as well as the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, fun, the, um, the fun red stripes. I, I'm not a fan of the red stripes, to be honest. Me either. I, Me either. I, I'm such a... But the things a, on, the, on the sleeve, that, that's groovy looking. Yeah, Me I do either. like that little piping thing. Yeah, that, yeah, that's cool. And, I should have done that there. But nonetheless, um, yeah, I, I absolutely love it. And uh, yeah, uh, teams will have an alternative kit um, that isn't necessarily their colors, but it's representative of something in the city. And that's kind of fun tying in, don't you think, to to the, the culture of the city in a way that is non-political. Thank you very much. Well, and I was going to say, the Sounders have always been a team that is very engaged with the community and with the city. And, and that is really the strength of, one of the huge strengths of the, uh, the organization, um, you know, from how the team is managed with, with, our, um, with our Sounders supporters, uh, make actually being decision makers it's not just made by the um the leadership of the organization but but actually the fans are the leadership and so it's it's very very cool the way that um that they've done soccer here in seattle 
Yeah, uh, to a degree. But I have to say um, there's an awful lot of politics, you know, well, that, and- that is the downside. I was just trying to be positive, but <laughs> oh, I don't know. Maybe. I- <laughs> no, no, it's 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 true. I'm taking it's on that- the, the villain and- role, I guess, this week. No, but Chris I think that is here. that is the whole issue. And we've talked about that almost ad nauseum within our, our sports timeout show. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but I'm not going to stop because it's still there and yeah. I hate it. And, and it's still and, nauseating. <laughs> but something else that's nauseating um, that Josh brings up a lot, why soccer isn't his number one sport is uh, two things. One is the flailing and flopping and the oh my gosh you know call my mommy and the other is there tends to be just this ridiculous I mean ridiculous calls that no one seems to be held accountable for and and even good calls that how is it that the players get to you know have some kind of debate on the field with that right Josh I mean those are some of the things that you really just don't love about soccer. Yeah, it takes away from it. And as I mentioned before, it's kind of why I'm, I haven't been following the NBA as closely because I'm just kind of tired of of the uh, the theatrics that play out. <laughs> you know, I want to <laughs> I want to watch sports for sports. You know, I don't want to watch sports because I want to want to watch a movie with the drama and the the, the intrigue of who's going to pretend to be injured today and who's going to flop for more points. And well, I have that's not what I'm here for. I have a very simple solution and I think this would nip it in the bud and solve the issues. And what that is, is that because we have uh, VAR now the video assistant referee, you can, after the fact review flops. And if someone is shown to have flopped, then they would attempt, accrue penalty points and it will hurt their team. They won't get to play for a half or for a full game or something like that because that's, that's great. I liked my idea that if they are found to flop, that they have to go and play like in a a real match, like hockey or rugby (laughs) and find out what it really feels like to get your butt kicked. But you know, I think that's a nice alternative. (laughs) My my answer to that question, to that problem guys would be an automatic penalty kick. That would, that would kill it right there. I like it, it and you're right, but sometimes uh, it takes a little bit of after the game. Uh, yeah, like because if it was American football, then that'd be not too much of a problem because they're stopping and starting all the time. But to have to go back and review and all that, then, I mean, it, it would disrupt the flow too much. And so well, I, then, then soccer needs to get its act together and stop this flopping. I agree. Yes. I agree. Oh, amen. Amen. Because it's ridiculous. And and it's one reason why uh, MLS um, takes a backseat to some of the other sports, because in America, um, you know, we're used to we're and in other countries where you have a lot of rugby and football, you're and hockey for crying out loud. You're used to people getting their teeth knocked out and then just going and getting back on the ice again. You're going, Oh, come on. Where's, where's your man or, and you don't see this much with women's soccer, by the way, ha ha ha, you know, man up people. But you mentioned, uh, 
uh, virtual uh, uh, VR and being able to review things. And that's uh, where it comes into a couple of, of stories. A Massachusetts high school fired a football coach after some anti-Semitic play calls. Uh, referee Tim Peel was banned for a hot mic on the national predators, uh, you know, calling for uh, looking for a makeup penalty. You know, we're seeing uh, a lot of ridiculous stories this week where um, refs are concerned. And, and so I'm wondering, with all of our technology, can we tweak it? Uh, Brent, what do you say? Be careful what you ask for this one, <laughs> because I, I, there are a lot of benefits to replay technology and VR technology. But one of the other reasons the NBA has become so hard to watch is you get these close games where you have like eight replay reviews reviews in the final yeah. minute and a half of the game. And it takes 45 minutes. Exactly. And you've seen that you've yeah. seen that sometimes in the NFL. There have been some major abuses that have well, we'll say on-field abuses as far as calls made that have been reversed because of uh, of instant replay. But at the same time, man, it's slow. It, it takes so much of the momentum out of the game. Um, I, I don't think the debates over good and bad calls have gone away. Instead of debating what was done in real time, we debate what, what the uh, replay officials were smoking. So, yeah, I say... <laughs> I, 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 I say it's issues like this, and I'm going to excuse me because it has a, a, a nasty word in there. And so I, um, I'm going to give it a nice bleep as it's played. Uh, but this was from the hockey game. Um, take a listen. It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a fucking <laughs> early in the <laughs> It wasn't much, but I wanted to get a fucking Nashville early in. I wanted to get a expletive um, penalty against Nashville early in the game. His mic was hot, you know. So that's uh, a. This isn't uh, unusual. You see, and you know when you're watching a game. Oh, that's yeah, a make. I, I, I think there. he's trying to make up for it, but. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not totally anti-replay, but I also look at like the situation a few years ago in the uh, NFC championship game with the Rams and the saints, where there was that horrendous uh, pass interference situation that probably came, well, arguably prevented the saints from having a chance to make the plays to get to the Super Bowl. It wasn't a, the play okay. that kept them out, but the overreaction then in the pass interference and replays went into the next year. That was a complete flop. So I think we have to be careful when we take one incident and then design a whole ecosystem replay ecosystem around Amen. it. Amen. Amen. Okay. But the Josh, Peel I haven't heard a lot from you, so I want to hear from Rich and get to you in a sec. The Tim Peel situation is very troubling, though, because you're having an official in the middle of a game make a definitive choice to insert himself into the game and change the flow of the game and actually look for a penalty where there might not be a penalty and just call a penalty to make the game go in a certain Even direction in a certain direction that doesn't necessarily go with the flow of the game. So the official is inserting himself inappropriately into the contest. Uh, what was, yeah. the, what was the NBA I, official a couple of years ago or about 10 years ago that was, Tim, was doing that for, for gambling purposes? Tim Donahue. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Encyclopedia. So uh, that was good. So Josh, um, yeah, but 
it's all is a it's a problem because his mic was hot. How often do you think this is ha- this has happened behind the scenes? Oh, I'm sure it happens more often than we would like it to. I mean, uh, how many times have I complained about referees in the in the NFL, for instance? Or, you know, we can complain for days about the, the umpires, you know, when, when they're calling strikes that are, you know, like, that's that's not a strike or the other way around, you know. that. And the, the thing is, you want your refs, you want your umpires, you want them to be impartial arbiters of, of the truth of what's happening you don't want them to have anything that puts them to one side or the other in terms of bias and that's why it's good that there is that that there's punishment happening on this because this is something that can't be tolerated you know hot mic or not you cannot have a bias one way or the other and be an unbiased arbiter of the truth in the game and when you have someone that is pushing for one side or the other, it just makes it worse for everyone involved. You know, if your team's winning and you see that the other team is getting a bunch of horrible penalties called against them, you don't feel good about that. You know, if your team's losing because of that, you feel even worse about that. You know, <laughs> it's just it's it's a bad thing all around. And it's something that, you know, it's maybe part of human nature, something that will always be there, but something we have to do our darndest to make sure isn't there in a game. Okay, so let's get to another issue in sports this week, and it may have to do with human nature, gentlemen, and that is the Rona and fans. You know, what's opening up, what's not, uh, you know, I know here, Josh, you're going to give us a little bit of a baseball update pretty soon, but I was uh, reading through and looking at some of the rules for our Seattle Mariners, our Major League Baseball team, and, you know, you have to sit in these sections for for one to six people, I'm thinking, yeah, I want to go to a baseball game and sit on my little lonesome, right? I mean, that does not sound like a whole lot of fun. You got to be screened before you come in. Uh, there's health passports. So they're actually happening, man. Um, Rutgers is going to enroll students in the fall and they have to have proof of a vaccine. So we're not going to have players that aren't vaccinated, possibly. Uh, American Airlines Arena, and having the Miami Heat in their opening match or their opening game with um, uh, Golden State, uh, you they have vaxxed only sections. You know, it's like, you know, it's to me, it's like reminiscent of, you know, this is for whites only. The, you know, I mean, that I'm sorry that I liken it to that, but you don't know why someone's not vaccinated. You don't know if they have an underlying condition or autoimmune disorder. You don't know if they've already had a corona. And uh, if you get the vaccine, sometimes you're sim- you'll get sick and the symptoms are worse. Uh, or if you've had corona and you have uh, that immune, natural immunity, there's a uh, number of reasons. I get you're trying to protect people, but it seems a little bit weird when I mean, think about this as I get you guys to marinate on that and give me your thoughts. Uh, This is from a meme that someone put out on the internet that is one of those, huh, okay. You can sweat on each other for 48 minutes. You can breathe in each other's faces. You can all handle the same ball, but you better wear a mask on the bench and can't meet the opposing team at half court after the game to shake hands. Science? I saw that exact same meme and I'm 
I'm thinking, yeah. where is the science? Where is the logic in this? There is none. There's none out the window. Well, I've seen that. Yeah. I, in, okay. I've seen that in high school wrestling too, where you've got kids that are out there, full body contact that they're not allowed to shake hands after the match. Now, where were those hands going during the match? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if you watch wrestling, you know those hands sometimes go where they shouldn't. Yes. <laughs> yes, Ouch. sir. That's another well, you're topic not going to be watching show. the Olympics, which I, you're not going to be watching wrestling in the Olympics, which I am outraged about. I'm outraged. I mean, that's that's like the the big stage for wrestling, but that's another. Uh, again, that's a story for another day. But yeah, I, I get that you're trying to do the best you can, but you know, I, you know, I was traveling from Las Vegas to Houston to Narlands to uh, Seattle, um, and I cannot spread the virus while I'm eating or drinking, which is really cool. So if maybe if we're eating and drinking all that, I mean, you know, but otherwise that mask has to be on. It's like, I don't know. Science was not the primary uh, motivator to make a lot of these rules as much as we want well, to think it was, it was not. <laughs> and it wanted, and it also was, to make people feel like they were actually doing something to change things. But once again, that goes back to, do you want to feel like you're actually doing something to change things and make things better? Or do you want to actually do something that is objective and scientifically based or factually based and really make a change for the better? That's the real question. Well, yeah. And as I look at the Mariners, I'm like, wow, these are, this is hard to keep up with, but as long as we're here, let's change directions a little bit. Josh, get us up to date on what's happening with baseball. my josh yeah it's exciting time boys and girls we are almost there we're almost to opening day coming up here april 1st i am i am so excited for this and the the tickets by the way they went on sale thursday for opening day they sold out within like an hour it was under an hour that they sold out the nine thousand fans it'll be in the stands people are excited for this are you, you going josh I can't get to go. I have a baby coming. <laughs> baby I could mean, be born on opening day. I'm not going to answer the question. Baby could to come during this broadcast. So if Josh yeah. disappears into the other room, you'll know what's going on. Yeah, if, yeah, if I'm just gone and drop off, you know what's going on. But hopefully, hopefully we're okay here. Uh, you know, but people are excited. You can still get tickets online up to the 11th home game right now. There are still tickets available for those. Just opening day is closed out uh, which just shows how excited people are and i know i'm excited there's nothing like going to a baseball game in the summer in seattle it's just it's it's unlike anything else you know getting to go and and have a seattle dog there and maybe get some garlic fries and all that and watch chili watch lime crickets baseball. oh man no. i'm <laughs> excited have no. any of you had the chili lime crickets i've what? had crickets yeah. before no. they're, they're, no, they're I, better than you think they'd be I mean, they're not the greatest thing in the world, but if you can get yeah, past, if you get past the texture, they're not bad. But oh, it's, it's just crunchy. Just got yeah. that. Well, make them yeah, chocolate well, covered, and I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> bring bring your own. 
Uh, but what I, I'm excited for this year as it as we go on, things are kind of starting to come into focus a little bit more, more and more every day. Uh, we saw yesterday or the day before Nick Margavich just made a start. He got knocked around. And I, I think that really solidifies what we've been saying for a while, that Justin Dunn is really going to be that 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 last piece of the starter puzzle. The only other thing that may happen, which I don't foresee happening as far as opening day, but we could see if one of these guys falters or starts to not play well, we could see Logan Gilbert come up midseason because he is probably the most polished prospect we have right now, most likely to, to come up and, and kind of fill spots as pitching happens and we need people to come up. Um, the ballpen has been looking better and better. You know, Joy Gerber had a good day the other day, uh, Kendall Graveman. So we'll see how that, that turns out. If we end up adding more pieces too, there was some pieces that were unfortunately uh, just got injured throughout the course of spring training and that we, so we won't be able to see them come up. But one thing that I'm really excited about is Taylor Trammell. And we've mentioned this a little bit before, and I think that he's all but a lock to make opening day roster. And honestly, the way he's playing, it kind of saves the Mariners from any kind of, uh, of time manipulation with Jared Kelnick, who suffered an injury earlier in the spring training season. He is back and he's playing, excuse me, but, you know, you want to take it easy with that injury. And Taylor Trammell has been playing like a man on fire. He wants to earn that left field position spot. And I think he's got it. And I think the other, that fifth out, the fourth outfielder spot, I don't think that's where you want Jared Kelnick anyway. You want him to have more at-bats. And so although it's an awkward situation where there's nowhere to send him right away for the minor leagues, you know, you're going to have to find at-bats for him maybe in Arizona still before there's that month delay before AAA starts. I think that that's where you're going to want to have him so he continues that development above the the single-A level, which he hasn't had a lot of exposure to, you know, especially last year with the minors not even happening. So I think that's where we're going to see Jared Kelnick, and I still think Jose Marmaleos is probably going to be that fourth one because, again, as much as you like Evan White's defense and they're very up on how he's been approaching the bat, they believe that his bat can come around, it still has not been great. He's been batting under 200 in spring training, and they want to see more out of that. And Jose Marmaleos is a guy that can play outfielder or he can play first base. So if you need to give Evan White some time, if you need to give him a couple days off to, to go work somewhere, they have someone that they can just slot in and have him play there. But I am – I am so stoked that we have opening day coming here very soon. You know, I I'm know pumped. you are. I know you are. <clears throat> I am pumped uh, about Mitch Hanniger and what we've seen from him. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, that man, that man has, I mean, hell can't be much worse than what he's experienced the last couple of years. And with the injuries uh-huh. that he's come back from. We don't talk about those injuries. Yes. <laughs> those are injuries which shall not be named. Yes. So, but, but seeing the, the way he's played, um, at you know at bat in the field and the leadership that he's been given to the younger players of which obviously there's a ton of them around now um man and his new spot atop leadoff i think he'll be a lot better there than 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 crawford was um so i'm excited about him it was not surprising but really really great to see james paxton's first um spring training start against you know, another team and he was just mowing guys down and we've known that he's always had that in him. So the big thing with him is, can he stay healthy? But man, you, you start with, with Paxton and um, Gonzalez top the rotation. You know, I, there's a lot to be excited about. We just, you know, we just have to remember to be patient because we have so many young guys 
and not all of them are going to work out great. Tremel looks awesome now. We'll see what happens when he hits a slump. You know, uh, Kyle Lewis, rookie of the year last year, but again, September, things started oh, to catch I up with him a little bit, you know? Yeah. So we'll see how he adjusts to the way people adjusted to him. Um, I think at some point we probably will see Jared Kellenick this season because he'll force him way, his way up. And because somebody probably won't perform quite the way we hope they will. That just is, is improbable <laughs> that they all will hit 300 and hit 25, 30 home runs in the outfield. So yeah, just a lot to look forward to. Just a lot to look forward to. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Let's talk about your background. So they're not going to get any respect until they earn it. I don't know where this came from, but it cracked me up. Not only San Francisco Mariners, they didn't even spell San Francisco right. So you're not, you're not going to get respect till you earn it, boys. So it's time. <laughs> I'm not like excited. You're going to get respect until you learn how to spell. I think my biggest questions, if I was to get, give a couple big questions leading into the season, answers that still need to be begotten. One, you say Kikuchi. We've seen improvement from him, but he still had a really high ERA, 5.26. Some of the metrics on him say that he was better than what his ERA was, but this is the year to prove it. See if he will be a future piece of this organization like we thought he would be, or if he drops out. I mentioned Evan White. I think that he he's, I mean, he has the contract. He's going to be long-term, but can his bat come around? He has the athleticism. He has the gold glove ability as we saw last year. Uh, but then there's also the second base spot. They're giving Dylan Moore a chance because he played really well last year. He was a utility guy that they're kind of giving the nod to for that second base, but will he be able to perform well in an everyday second base role? Will Shed Long come back from injury and show us more of what he's available and what he can do at that spot? Mm -hmm. Those are the big questions. Um, and questions for further down the road is, is Kyle Seager going to remain a Mariner because he has been playing very well and he has, he could be a piece that we bring back or, and we and a piece that for the record we don't have another piece to move to really for third base unless Ty France shows that he can play gold glove ability at third base, which you know he's yeah. not if, shown. If he can play average ability at third base. Yeah. I, if, from reports he can stand at third base and that's yeah. what he can do for defense, <laughs> you know. So we'll we'll see about that. Yeah. The Gosh, thing, let's the, say the Mariners I, are in contention uh part way through the through the season or about three quarters of the way through. Do you trade Kyle Seeger? for a reliever to bolster your bullpen no i like kyle seager too oh. much i i really like what he brings i mean he's a gold glove he's a power bat he hits he's been hitting really well i mean he's been hitting even better this last year and in this spring training than he has in years before partially due to him kind of re-getting his body back to where he was before you know being a little bit leaner a little bit faster he and he brings so much to this club of young guys. You know, he's he really is your only real veteran presence for out there for the infielders. You know, Mitch Haniger is probably your guy in the outfield, but even he's you know pretty young guy. He's your he's going to anchor you, and he's the guy that can give you some stability going into a playoff situation. So I, I don't see trading him. I mean, if you're going to move on from someone it's going to be someone in the outfield as much as I hate to say it. I love Kyle Lewis. I love Taylor Trammell. I love Mitch Haniger, but you have two top prospects waiting in the wings for those spots. You have Julio Rodriguez looking to come up and play in the outfield. You have Jared Kelnick looking to come up and play in the outfield. So you have a log jam at the outfield. If you're going to trade someone to get back 
a, a reliever and maybe some prospects, it's going to be one of those outfield guys uh, to make room for other pieces that you have ready to go, ready to fill those positions. Yeah, I think if the M's are in contention, I think if the M's are in contention, you you, you hold on to Seager. If if things are, you know, if they're hovering five games under building. 500 or something like that, then I think you you think about moving him for for making a real uh, person contend next year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, I mean, it's something to take under consideration. So Josh excited about uh, opening day. I get it. We all are too. And real live baseball. Hello, you know, um, but something I've really enjoyed. It's been a great time of the year for sports. March Madness. Gonzaga. It's so much fun to watch. Oh, I mean, the games have been great. Some surprising upsets. Um, it's It was such a great weekend to just have it. I don't know. It was like, oh, I could watch this game or I could watch that game. Let's record this one. And let's record. And it was like March. I was it was madness everywhere. And I absolutely loved it. Rich. Well, this the Sweet 16. A loyal of Chicago, Gonzaga, all kinds of uh, suspects. But I got to say what I said a couple weeks ago. Gonzaga goes undefeated the first time. A national champion goes undefeated since 1976. Indiana's going to get a roommate. <laughs> so I think Gonzaga is going to do it. Uh, Mark Few, this is the only thing that he still has to accomplish. And uh, Garrick, he's the best coach in college basketball. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just flat out say it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's exciting. It's fun to watch. Um, my, my nephew has, uh, did his, uh, graduate degree at Abilene Christian. And so that was an exciting game when they yes, beat Texas. Uh, it's just, that was, that was their first ever, um, uh, March madness win. And, uh, it was, it was exciting. And just those kids, they're such hard workers. And, um, so yeah, I put your hands on the radio for Oral Roberts. Also, yeah. you know, if we put the hands on the radio. <laughs> I, you, you know, know for Gonzaga, real quick, as we're talking about the kids working hard, man, those those kids are amazing. Uh, they're they're so in the game. I love to watch their teamwork, and I I like to hear uh, the folks in the know talk about uh, the team, not realizing what a big deal they are, and and shunning some of the. Uh, hey, you know, the trash talk, look how cool we are and getting just really into the game. That is a beautiful, we talk uh, not just about sports, but I think the most amazing thing about my Michelle live sports timeout is that we get to the God story and that's how life plays out, man. In that humility in that, yeah, I may be doing great things, but I don't have to be walking in my own greatness. I'm playing for something deeper that's why it's inspiring to us because that's how we were created. So I wanted to slide that in there. Now we'll slide on over to you, Brent Baker. I was going to say it. <clears throat> yes, I totally agree. Um, but also it's been kind of the PAC 12 PAC 12's redemption tour here. You got four of the final 16 teams in the final in. Yeah. Four of the final 16. And that's more than the big 10. And the ACC combined the big have what? left the big yeah what? <laughs> yeah had, the Big Ten had nine teams nine teams in 
the tournament and one is still left and all of them were almost all of them were seated higher than the Pac-12 teams that are still going. Now, the thing about this is that it actually makes Bill, Bill Walton sound smart because he actually predicted five Pac-12 teams in the final four. Uh, oh, great. <laughs> Bill's strong suit was not math. At UCLA. <laughs> but, but it's, it's been, I'm not going to say it's happened because Larry Scott's leaving, but I think it's a great way to celebrate his departure is, <laughs> is sort of the, the reclaiming of the PAC 12's reputation, at least as far as men's basketball goes, uh, Larry women's Scott. basketball, the women's basketball, the Olympic sports, they never really dropped off. I think that's sad. That, that gives us one less thing to talk about that. Yeah. We really enjoy, he rears so. his ugly well, head again. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's also been another loss in basketball and this is on the pro level um, from the LA Lakers. Uh, former Clippers executive um, that that passed away this week, Rich. Elgin Baylor at the age of 86 passed away. I'm just going to put it this way. Elgin Baylor was Dr. J before there ever was Dr. J. And Elgin Baylor was the cornerstone of Seattle University basketball for a number of years, led them to the finals against the legendary Adolph Rupp in Kentucky in the late 50s. Uh, once scored 61 points in an NBA game. That was the playoff record against the Boston Celtics. And remember this, Michael Jordan broke that record against the Boston Celtics, 63 points. And Elgin Baylor once had 71 points, which was the all-time record for an NBA game until that was broken by, um, Walt by uh, Wilt Chamberlain in 1962, a hundred points. So that just you know, sometimes you I listen to rich and I don't even know what he's saying. I'm just going, where the heck does he get this from? Way to go. Right? But, but that just tells you the class that Elgin Baylor was in and the way that the Seattle university uh, basketball program, which was called the chieftains at that time, we couldn't get away with that these days, but uh Seattle U was basketball in the state of Washington, much like Gonzaga. And um, oh, there you go. With, without Elgin Baylor, there is no modern NBA basketball like we see, like we see today. He's one of the 50 greatest players and the greatest college player in Washington state history. I'll put my money on that too. Well, there you go. Uh, now we're going to uh, wind up talking about basketball, the NBA, and uh, lead that right into uh, some of the, as the pigskin turns drama that we often like to talk about in the off season of, of football and the NFL. But uh, you sent this story to us rich uh toronto raptors kyle lowry was talking about the nba tread trade deadline and he pretty much sang this song well he ended up still <laughs> staying with the toronto raptors so his story uh, he's still in Toronto, one of their best players in the history of the franchise. Uh, Toronto's kind of having a hard time, though, this season. It's They haven't quite put the pieces back together. I guess the biggest trade so far in the NBA uh, trade deadline, Victor Oladipo goes to the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat want to try to make a run. Josh, your thoughts? 
Yeah, well, the the Heat have really struggled to come back into contention since uh, since the dream team that happened down there, which, by the way, was one of my favorite teams of all time to watch. The the athletic arrogance from LeBron James and D Wade at times with their like no look alley oops. I mean that it's just some of the best some of the best teammates you ever watched played. And Chris Bosch was there too, I guess, but I was never a huge Chris Bosch fan. It was really the big two and a half in my opinion because I I like big men that play like big men, not big men that are like oh no I shoot threes. Anyway, aside from that, they've struggled to come back to relevance <laughs> since the, the the big two and a half broke up down there, and. uh yeah, they, they need to do something to get back, right? I mean, they D Wade stayed in there for a while, but you know he's, he's getting older and not not the same player. Can't carry a franchise, and you know as good as he was, I think he was one of the best of of his time. He he was never the guy that can carry a franchise by himself. You need someone like LeBron to do that, and even then, he could never take a team by himself. You know, he he tried valiantly with the Cavs for many years with guys that are now being picked up off the street by execs to uh, take them to rehab. Uh, But he never was able to get it there. You cannot be a one man show. They need to get more people in there. They need to get new talent if they want to return to relevancy. Okay. Um, I want to move into football, the NFL. There's been a lot of moving and shaking. We call it the soap opera uh, as the pigskin turns. Um, There's been a lot of maneuvering this year of quarterbacking, which we've talked about on this show. Uh, And there's still a lot of things happening behind the scenes. I wanted to open it up to our table of fellas and the girl to uh, talk about some of those interesting stories that are happening behind the scenes. Go. Well, Josh, I got to go with you on this. I'm going to, I'm going to bat this back and forth with you and the other guys can chime in, but Thankfully, the Seahawks got Carlos Dunback, Dunlap back in the <laughs> back in the fold. And Chris Carson and Carson as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got we got some big news, and there's there's good news and bad news going on right now. the The good news, obviously, Dunlap coming back. I mean, that on top. A lot of people thought they'd be done after they brought back Benson Mayoa, after they brought in Kerry uh, Hyder Jr. from the 49ers, who's very good, by the way. But now Dunlap, that really makes his team look good. Now, the big news today is, one, they are expected to either trade or move on from John Reed, who will give us $8 million in cap space. It sounds like from what reports I can find is they were wanting to restructure his contract to get a little more. He wanted a bigger long-term deal. They weren't exactly sold on that. And for some good reason, he played well last year. Once Dunlap was there, once he has another guy there, but he also had that six game suspension the year before, and he was making more than, than a lot of people think that he was worth right now. But the other news about this is recently just today within the last hour, they have brought back Al Woods, who you might remember played for us in 2019, went Mm -hmm. to the Jaguars, opted out of the 2020 season. So, and he's signing for only 3 million bucks. So a a cheaper option there at D tackle. And the other thing is, on this D-line, you got a lot of guys with flexibility. Most of these guys that you've brought in can play D-tackle or D-end. So you have flexibility there. I think the LJ Collier is going to end up getting a starting nod at D-tackle instead of Jerron Reed. Well, I think they, hey, just, hey. they just made the choice. It was either Jerron Reed, Reed or Dunlap, <laughs> and that's an easy choice if you're a Seahawk, if you're a Seahawk fan. 
because okay if you're a seahawk fan you know who almost or, or who was bantered around about uh maybe coming home again is richard sherman he made it known this week that he was open to allowing seattle to take him back right and <laughs> uh, now it seems that the vikings picked him up but i thought you know before and that happened yesterday but i was just biting at the bit to bring that to you guys and go okay do you think sherman let us know that you know oh all's you know, under the bridge i will allow you to take me back now i find it interesting because he was one of the last free agents there's like six or eight i don't remember rich that uh that everyone's been picked up but richard sherman as he passed his prime is he, he's acting as his own agent what's going on there and so i'm i'm looking at that going really so you're willing to come back but seattle are you willing to even consider taking sherman back well, the one question I would have for Richard Sherman is, are you going to take my press credential away or are you <laughs> going to throw me on? Are you going to throw me under the bus in a Sports Illustrated article? Uh, Richard, uh, you are 33. You are not the player you were. We appreciate the one Super Bowl, but you're not right for this team at this moment. Well, and, and then the, the dissing of the love your brother, which is so indicative of the Seattle Seahawks, you know, and, and it's part of what makes the team more than just another team. And we love that here in Seattle. And don't get me wrong, Richard Sherman at one time was one of my favorite all time players because you may have heard me say this before. He plays uh, football like people play chess he he has that mindset it's not just me football player i'm going to hit people on field you know he really has a, a he's a smart guy but yeah you know i think thank you like you said rich thank you very much for the participation in the super bowl uh we appreciate it bye-bye <laughs> yeah, I would I would echo that. Thanks, but no thanks on Richard Sherman. He has made eight million a year the for, since we started paying him that here in Seattle. Um, he's had a couple of big injuries. He's lost a step, and his speed was never top end. That was never the selling point of Richard Sherman. It was <laughs> the, the intelligence with which he played the game. But for the price that he's going to want to be at, for the ability that he's going to bring. I, I just don't see the Seattle would ever want to to move on unless he was willing to come. If he was willing to come play for us for a low, like two, 3 million bucks, I could see that happening, but I don't think he's going to want to sign anywhere for that amount of money. I think he's going to want to be. And, and the other thing too, if he came back here, I don't know that we would guarantee him a starting spot. I think he would have to battle some guys, you know, with between Witherspoon well and DJ Reed and potentially bringing back Quentin Dunbar, you know, he's going to have to battle for a starting spot and he's not going to want that. That's not a situation he wants to be in. He wants to be the unquestioned number one cornerback back there. He's not going to want to be in a position where he's making less than 8 million and fighting for a starting position. So it's just not something. I want 8 million too. I want an $8 million yeah, contract. I was, I was, I was just, just, just going to say, I but, wouldn't mind kind of being past my prime and only getting 2 million. <laughs> yeah, I could, I could live with that. Right. No, but I, for the Seahawks this off season, I am, I am stoked with what they've done here. I think that they're good on offense. So, and this is one thing, this is the debate I'm constantly having with people on Twitter right now. People really, really, really want to replace David Moore with some wide receiver three out there on the market. And I'm saying, uh -huh. nope, offense is set. You brought back your offensive line pieces in getting Jackson 
in uh, re-signing Ethan Posich. You also got your backup pieces back in Jordan Simmons and Cedric Oboehy, who both played well for backups. So getting them as depth pieces, I'm I'm happy with that. That's great. Jordan S- Simmons especially played very well as a depth piece for us down the road, can play a couple of different positions across that O-line. Uh, you brought you still have Chris Carson, who you brought back. Uh, we brought back Nick Ballore. We have tight end Gerald Everett to now p- pair with uncle Will Disley back there. I think your offense looks great. And this offense is going to use tight ends more. And also if we're going to talk about a wide receiver three that I want to see out there, there's two guys that I want to see more of. And I want to see if we have it, you know, we have, we have top two guys, right? We have the ones that are going to be the, the all-stars, but for the, the wide receiver three spot, I want to see Swain and I, I want to see John Ursua. John Ursua has been sitting in our practice squad, and he's a guy that I've been really excited about since watching him play in Hawaii. I think those guys are more than capable of filling in a solid slot receiver, wide receiver three spot, especially with the other talent we have around Amen. us. So don't spend money wide receiver three. Leave that alone. I feel like our defensive line, we're, we're looking – this is going to be the best defensive line in years that we're going to see here in Seattle. So I think the last, the last piece that I really want to see here is I want to see KJ Wright brought back first and foremost. That's the next big move is if we get KJ Wright back, if we can shore up that spot and then maybe look a little bit more around the cornerback market to people not named Richard Sherman. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I, I really appreciate watching the consistency of the Seahawks approach to free agency because Everybody's panicking that first few days that these big offensive line, you know, highly paid offensive linemen went off the market. But it's this year, especially, you know, that there's going to be guys released that are going to be quality, that the the dollar amounts are going to come down. And I think, I mean, obviously not every signing is going to work out, but their approach to waiting until there's some, some, some deals available and going with some quantity because you know that not every one of them is going to work, but some of them will. So, and, and obviously kind of gambling that they'd be able to get Carlos Dunlap back. Um, that one obviously worked out really well. And I'm, I'm yeah, really glad that one did. Seahawks have done a great job of defining who their, their defining players are, their definitive players are, they know the guys that they want that fit their system and they just go right after those players and that's that's what's different about what john schneider and pete carroll have done they they have a definitive philosophy and they do not depart from it that is why they're they are successful Uh, also breaking news right now jaron reed officially released they were not able to get a trade for him done so the seahawks have released jaron reed like i said we'll see if maybe they they're able to add one more piece to that defensive line because usually they they run with more one more than what they have on the roster right now. So, and you know what, there always is a chance that Jared Reed goes out there, tests the market. And especially in a year like this year, and especially this late in free agency sees, I'm not going to be making that much more (laughs) anywhere else. And so there's always a chance he can come back to Seattle. If not uh, look for the Seahawks to maybe add one more piece as we uh, go. Oh, Interesting guys, you know, uh, for people who listen from Seattle and much of the rest of the country, uh, you'll get this for our listeners who we love uh, who are from, Oh, I don't know, like uh, the Boston area. Um, the rest of us love to hate the Pats, right? I mean, it's just, it's just kind of what we do, but um, 
I just want to share this story. There's a good news story that has to be shared out of the out of New England. Uh, Patriots Justin Heron was is a hero, and he's being hailed as a hero by police. He helped stop an attempted sexual assault. And man, that's that's kind of a cool story. So uh, anyone anyone else read this? Want to share? Yeah, I sure did, Michelle. And I think I sent to you that one to you as one of our top stories. He's a backup offensive tackle. He said that he's a pretty big guy and uh, he intimidates people sometimes. So he's kind of real careful on how he reacts. To, he reacts to people, but uh, he basically told the guy told the guy to get away from the woman, and he immediately sat down. And uh, Jaron told him, "You stay there." I went until like all the police. And this is amazing. This is amazing. It was a Jaron and a friend of his were in a park in, in Tempe, Arizona, and actually saw this happening. And for a moment he froze and said in the article, I didn't really know what was happening. I'd never seen anything like this. It's something you see in movies, but you never really experience. And, uh, but that is what a true hero does when you're called upon in an unexpected situation, you take your, the selfishness out of it. And you help somebody that can't help themselves. This, this is really a great story when you consider all the negative stories that are <laughs> written about NFL athletes in the offseason. There you go. So I'm going to say this one time and probably never again. Go Pats. There you go. <laughs> hey, um, some big news just happened right now, too, on the NFL market. Uh, San Francisco 49ers have just done a trade with the Dolphins, and they have acquired the number three overall pick. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's right. Um, so that's that's a big story there. Thank you, yeah. Josh. Yeah, this Can is we... this is big news to come out because uh, that means what this tells me is that Jimmy G is not the quarterback of the future <laughs> of the 49ers, which is something that we all kind of suspected. You know, we wondered maybe he's going to go back to New England. What's going to happen with that? But this is. I mean, that, that, that's the number three overall pick in a place that looks to be overloaded with quarterbacks at the top end of the draft. So I don't see them using this on the defensive side. I see this as a quarterback. We're going to see someone new uh, starting under center. If not this year, the next year, they might let him sit behind Jimmy G until he inevitably gets injured and is sitting out, you know, give him some time to develop there. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's a pretty big deal. And you see them giving up their first round pick, which is 12th overall, along with their 2022 and 2023 first round picks and a compensatory third round pick. So this is something they're they're expecting to get a big name out of this because they're giving up three years of first round draft picks for this. Yeah. And, and yeah. I just want to say people that thought that Russell Wilson could be traded for for three first round picks and a, and a couple of players from the Bears. These guys are playing that for an unproven third pick that is, you know, like Russell Wilson, again, unless you're trading him, like unless you're going to the Jets who are going to give you your first round picks back, two other first round picks, Sam Darnold, maybe something else. Like you need a King's bounty for Russell Wilson. I know. One of the jokes <laughs> of trades are going to ever We're gonna happen. We're going to just take all of our and picks. Here, 
till the year 2050 and you know maybe <laughs> here i thought we could get through a whole episode without talking about russell wilson trade rumors it just shows how ridiculous it is right like yes this absolutely is first rounds and a third for for a third round or for a number three overall draft pick a guy yeah. who's never played before in the nfl you're trading that much for and you thought you could pay a similar amount for one of the top three quarterbacks in the league right now please people who would please. leave behind 30 30 hey guys, million dollars this is why i was telling everyone it's not gonna happen it's not happening Let me just get our listeners in on this uh this is from our peanut gallery of listeners uh u.s men's national uh team plays in ireland on sunny on sunday screw the nfl ouch okay then all right thank you very much so NFL's we'll just not we'll, happening on Sunday. We got time. We got time. <laughs> we got time. <laughs> so uh, let me move to uh, the last item on my little happy list here is uh, a lot of stories dealing with inequity and the concern about inequity and uh, women in um in sports, the NCAA uh, budget for men's basketball tournament is almost twice as much as a women's budget. Um, Mark Emeritt from the NCAA promised a full review into why women's tournaments had lesser facilities than men. Megan Rapino is talking to a House committee on equal pay. Uh, she says one cannot simply outperform inequity. Um, and then um, I'm going to bring it home with something that I'm, I'm kind of wondering about women in sports and what it really means. Where are we going in the future? So before I do that, I want to turn all of those stories uh, over to you guys. Bring it for me. Well, I, I, you want me to go first, Michelle, or do you want to go first, Josh? I think Garrick has something to say. <laughs> I all right. have something to say. All right, Garrick. All right. Well, and, and I think this came up last week or the week before we were talking about the difference between professional sports and intercollegiate athletics. I believe that within the realms of intercollegiate athletics, there should be equity. There should be parity, you know, hold the title nine and, and all the different pieces that, that make it so that there is this level playing field, so to speak, for men and women to be able to have access to competitive sports and for those programs to be well-supported and well-funded. Now, for me, when you get to the professional level, then I think everything changes. Um, there needs to be, um, it, it's more kind of a merit-based, so to speak. I mean, to, to say that, and, and I think there is some truth in terms of you know, the, the whole thing with women's soccer, because it is so popular. But, you know, women's soccer tickets are cheaper than U.S. men's national team soccer tickets as well. So yeah. whether or not you so can expect we could get some same, women on the U.S. men's team, they should be getting paid the same. Well, if the, yeah, if they're playing on the, the men's national team, that would be a, a different story. But but to just I, I and I'm very much against this whole equality based on this sense of expectation rather than based on on merit uh, because I, I just I feel like then then people don't really need to work for things anymore. Um, is there inequality that needs and are there injustices that need to be righted? Absolutely. but I don't believe that this is one of them. Okay. Megan Rapino 
doesn't do herself any good because her argument is not based not based on facts because they had the same opportunity to get the same contract as the U.S. men's national team and bargained for more um, pay that was guaranteed. So the, these contracts with the U.S. Soccer Federation are collectively bargained. And that's what you can do based on your performance and based on how you do and your audience. Your audience determines how much you're going to get paid. Michelle, you and I have been talk show hosts for a number of years, but we don't have the audience that Howard Stern has. That's why Howard Stern gets paid what Howard Stern gets paid. If you and I had the same audience as Howard Stern, we'd be making the same money and have the same career choices as Howard Stern. Megan Rapino says you can't outperform inequity. Then how come Vena, how come Serena Williams makes a hundred times more than Megan Rapino? Because she has the audience and she's done what it takes to earn what she gets paid. To well, earn what she gets paid. And arguably, Rich, even if you had you and Michelle had the same audience of Howard Stern, if Howard Stern was making more money, you shouldn't be able to complain and say, I need to make as much as Howard Stern makes. I mean, it just, yeah, it's just no, really it's not really even about audience. It's about how you market yourself. I mean, uh, audience has not as much to do with your position on the radio. What has to do with your position on the radio and how much you're, you're making is the choices. Uh, when I was just doing terrestrial radio, Rich, um, I chose to be in Seattle uh, doing a show uh, in, in, on a Christian station. That's going to be paid less. That doesn't mean that I couldn't go or didn't have offers to go to New York and Correct. to some other Correct. area where I could be making a lot more. I made the choice. So some of it is choice. Some of it is uh, the payoff or quality of life. You know, you can't just boil it down to I'm a woman and I'm not making as much as them uh, because there are a lot of other factors, Brent. Well, yeah, I, I'm totally with Garrick on, on this. When it comes to providing opportunities, especially for kids, older kids, young adults in college, um, you, there needs to be a lot of effort to make sure that the level, you know, the playing field is level. So like this situation, you know, with the facilities that the, the uh, women at the NCAA tournament had access to versus what the men had access to, I'm sure there was, there's always more to the story, but at the same time, you can't look at that and say that as the, as the NCAA is trying to defend itself as an amateur organization, that you can get away with, with providing different levels of service to your athletes. Well, um, that was, that's totally what Garrick was talking about with title nine, right? That's the, that's the opportunity part of the piece, but I want to say this real quick. Equal opportunity does not mean you are going to have equal outcome of results. Exactly. That's what hey, you have. Josh, to you've been quiet. <laughs> now he's really quiet. Yeah, because he's on mute. I don't know. <laughs> we've, we've talked about this one a lot, and it's the same argument we always have, NBA, WNBA, uh, men's, women's soccer. 
you can have they do they deserve more in some of these cases i I would i would think so but it also depends on how much they bring in you know like how, how interested the onus is not on the organizations the onus is on us as viewers to show our interest in these platforms amen so you know, this I'm is sure where I want to there's... say support women's sports. Support women's sports. There's the answer right there. Keep supporting those women's yeah. sports. And but what would... does women, it's it's women's on us to watch guys. those. I mean, you can if someone wants to play Minecraft and make a million dollars, then I'm, you know, if, if they have people, if they're good enough at doing things and be entertaining that people want to watch, then they can do it. But if they're just playing Minecraft and it's not entertaining and no one wants to watch them, they can't be mad that they're not making. You're not going to make squat. Yeah. Well, guys, I wanted to ask this about women's sports in general, that uh, the WNBA unveiled their new logo uh, for uniforms. It's part of the count it campaign they're celebrating their 25th anniversary of uh, seasons here and that's that's good that they're celebrating that but i'm i wanted to ask you guys what is women's sports that we can go out and celebrate women's sports is it because the sports are good like watching the u.s women's national team it's like yeah they're dumb and they're great they work hard or is it um a new kind of woman look um back in the day I was, I did a beauty pageant. I hated it. That is so not me. You can imagine, right? Um, but part of the beauty pageant is, is that you had to be beautiful. You had to act smart. Whether you were or not didn't matter. You had to act smart. You had to be able to tape yourself into swimwear. But now we have a new woke woman. And so you have to be good on the court. And you have to have accomplishments. But your accomplishments with this Count It campaign are are focused on social justice, right? So social justice is uh, in itself uh, sounds good because we want liberty and justice for all, but it is also uh, including the idea that uh, all white men are, are the bane of our existence and evil and women aren't getting their fair shake and there aren't opportunities. There's a lot of things that... Uh, push away a huge segment of our society where it used to be kind of like the uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which can we mention Russell Wilson again, because <clears throat> he got it this year. Uh, you know, that's about your participation in uh, charities, helping people, um, being a productive part of the, the citizenry. Women's sports is turning into uh, feminazism to a degree. Well, you agree I, think, with I think we really need to be careful here because um, we, we... Oh, that's me. We, I'm we, always careful. We, we don't want to throw out the social justice baby with the proverbial woke bath. Because I feel like social justice has gotten lumped into this whole woke justice um, world. And social justice, I believe, is still very, very important. And, and we, we have to, and, and I think that there's a lot of things that are this way. And this, if you're looking for the God story in this too, when we think about how a lot of social service organizations um, 
were were not faith-based. And so because of that, the church, the evangelical church, moved away from social issues and said, we're just going to focus on the gospel. But Jesus was interested in both. He was interested in justice. He was interested in social justice and not simply just the gospel, but he was a culture changer as well. And so I really feel like we need to just be careful there and um, and make sure that that if we are, especially if we are faith people, we need to 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 uh, follow what Jesus did. We do. And and yet I, that's where I, I'm saying that social justice has turned into woke justice. It is in that definition. It now represents one of the same instead of saying, you know, like black lives matter, instead of recognizing that, you know, black lives matter and that there is a struggle within as part of the black community to, um, to rise above, so to speak. And, and all of those issues, it's become a political issue. Uh, it's become a political movement. Um, we need to get back to real justice, spiritual justice, uh, being part of our community, loving each other, adopting the idea that we often see with um, the Seahawks, the love our brother, no matter what color that brother is, no matter what uh, denomination, no matter what their political leanings, I would like to get to that. Now, guys, it is absolutely time for us to get to our final shot where we go around the round table and give a final shout out to an issue, a player, uh, and just a, a short one. But here we go. Let's shoot. Yes. All right. So we're going to start with Rich Hallstrom. Final shot. Well, I'm going to go back to something that I talked about earlier because I just don't want it to be overlooked during March Madness. Elgin Baylor, the best college basketball player in the history of the state of Washington. Plain and simple. Like it. Okay. Um, let's go to Brent Baker. All right, I'm going to try to get my share screen to work here. Um, yes, I'm going to bring this up. This organization called Only Seven Seconds, and it's uh, basically it's designed to fight the effects of isolation. Um, it was really brought to my attention this last this last week as one of our top high school athletes in the area um, is no longer with us. Um, I don't know all the details on that, but you can see that right now this webpage is actually honoring him. Um, we just mm -hmm. know that we've just seen a lot of um, mental health issues, um, a lot of hospital visits with attempted suicides. Um, they've gone up something like 60 to 70 percent in this state in the last year. Mm -hmm. um, the name of the website comes from it only takes seven seconds to reach out to someone and let you know, you know, and let them know that, um, that you care about them, um, that you see them. And um, so, you know, and this, as we're kind of coming haltingly out of COVID, I think we need to be watching um, our friends and neighbors um, just to see how they are, because there's a lot of stuff going on under the surface that as apparently in this case, we didn't find out about till too late. So only, only seven seconds.com. And the seven is the numeral seven. Oh, good word there. Very good word. Uh, let's go to Joshua McMillan. Uh, my final shot. I'm going to put out to a guy that we talked about earlier, Taylor Trammell, 
This guy, I don't know if you've heard any of his interviews, but he is just an exceptional human being. And he's a guy that you cannot help but root for when, when you hear him talk about stuff. One of the things he said, you know, is the worst part of being traded over a couple of organizations is just the difficulty in having to learn everyone's names. Cause he wants to learn every single oh. person's name. And he, they, he was also asked in, in a recent interview, <laughs> what what's your favorite part of the game what's the thing that really gets you juiced up is it hitting a home run is it going and snagging a ball and his answer was no it's not it's none of that it's when you got your teammates back when people are really playing for each other and helping people out it, like and everything this guy ta- just go and find one of his interviews out there maybe i'll tweet one out a little later today i just i love this guy and he's playing really well and this may be controversial but honestly i i hope that he stays with Seattle long-term, even if that means we get rid of Jared Kelnick or one of those other guys. Like I, Taylor Trammell is a good guy that I want to have the kind of person you want to have around your ball club. Garrick paying, paying us. Well, I'm going back to an earlier discussed topic as well uh, in our world where people are somewhat gun shy and uh, that's the wrong term to use here, but but uh, people are are cons- overly concerned about liability and those types of things um, that good Samaritans sometimes don't do the right thing. And so my sh- final shot is going to New England Patriots Justin Heron uh, and his buddy for uh, for stopping the assault that that might have happened down in Tempe, Arizona. Um, I think we need to be paying attention to things around us and and when it's appropriate we need to step up and and act and uh, it could make a difference in someone's life and certainly in this case it sounds like it did so Justin Heron gets my final shot and that leads into my final shot it's about people making a difference wherever you're listening whoever you are you're here for a reason you're fearfully and wonderfully made god has created you for a reason and you can make a difference sometimes in great big huge ways that make uh the the papers and sometimes in just small ways that are huge ways to the person you're making a difference to um i know that a lot of Uh, kids aspire to be sports stars, but very few are going to be professional sports stars. But what you can aspire to is to be a gentleman. And so I wanted to share a teacher at an elementary school in South Carolina wanted to help little boys that didn't have a dad. And so he started a gentleman's club, a real gentleman's club, not what, you know, you see on the side of the road with the flashing lights. This is for real gentlemen. Uh, And this club is where these boys dress up, learn to shake hands, make eye contact. He even has extra jackets and ties for boys who cannot afford them. And I say you are a real hero making a difference in the game of life. And I appreciate it. And so with that, guys, I want to say that's a deeper story. God has a purpose for you. And I want to thank you for letting my Michelle live podcast be part of your world. We are sharing the God story and I'd like you to be a part of it. So like this, share this, support us, go to my Michelle live. And, um, you know, when you purchase the products that we have on there, like Calitrin, which is like a fountain of youth in the bottle and can help you take those off those extra pounds. Or if you have a nice, juicy beard like Josh, stroke your beard for us, Josh. 
uh, let them see. You can go, you can uh, get discounts from uh, Real Bearded Men right there on My Michelle Live. It helps support us getting out the God story and sharing it around. So thank you guys so much for being part of the show today. Love you as always. So thank you very much. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. You guys can say goodbye now. Go Pippins. Thanks, Michelle. (laughs) (laughs) For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com. It's a wrap.